a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 12 of Season 3, and we continue our streak with amazing football coaches. Sacred Heart Griffin's John Allison joins me to talk all things football and a little bit of dad talk because, honestly, that's what I like to talk about more on this podcast. Let's start with what I saw in the past week, though. The Springfield High Senators picked up a huge win over Rochester last Thursday in Central State Aid soccer action. The Senators looked like the better team throughout and won the game. They forced a split for the conference. Rochester is forced to share with Glenwood. On Friday, I have to thank my brother Dawson for going with me to Moreau Forsyth. The Trojans rallied to get the win over Williamsville in a big Sagamo battle. It was a weird sort of game. The Trojans score with 35 seconds left, though, and Caden Maurer proves to be that dude yet again. On Saturday, got some cross-country action in Williamsville for the Sagamo cross-country meets. Williamsville wins the girls, Plains wins the boys, and congrats to SHG for the big golf weekend. Let's jump to Monday. Springfield High gets a big win over SHG on the soccer field. And on Tuesday, I was in Williamsville to see the Bullets lock up the Sagamo Conference title outright with a dominating win over Illini Central. Let's get to what's coming up on Channel 1450. Hype videos from Rochester Glenwood, Mac SHG, and Olympia Auburn. A playoff outlook that Michael put together on all the football teams. Fantasy Football Week 8 and a feature on Sawyer Smith at Auburn leading the Sagamo in receiving. Also on Thursday, Lincolnwood at Lutheran Volleyball in MSM action. That game will be played at Trinity. Waynesville is at New Berlin for volleyball and Quincy is at Springfield for soccer. On Friday, I'll be in Rochester for Glenwood at Rochester. We also plan to have highlights from SHG at MacArthur, Lincoln at U-High, Auburn at Olympia, Riverton at Athens, Plains at Williamsville, and maybe some eight-man football action in Kincaid. On Saturday, Central State 8 Conference cross-country from Jacksonville. Monroe Forsyth is at New Berlin football at 2 p.m. and maybe some Illinois College football for homecoming weekend. Jumping to next week, on Monday, Williamsville is at SHG for volleyball. City Swim is on Tuesday. U-High is at SHG for volleyball to wrap up the conference crown for the Pioneers on Tuesday night. Also some regional soccer in Pleasant Plains. Taylorville at Williamsville Volleyball and Rochester at Springfield High Volleyball. That's another good game on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it's a doubleheader for soccer in Verdon. The North Mac soccer doubleheader as well as Glenwood Volleyball making a trip to Pleasant Plains for some non-conference volleyball on Wednesday. That's what's coming up on Channel 1450, if all goes to plan. Let's get to this week's guest. I'd like to welcome in John Allison to the podcast this week. Um, we're going to talk some football, but I want to talk about parenting first because that's always more fun for me. I don't know about you, but um, when uh, when you look at, at your kids and how they've grown up and, and kind of being around a football coach, mm-hmm. what is the... What's the fun part about balancing that act? And, you know, is there is there certain moments when, you know, they get to see you or after the game or when you come home that you really just, like, really try to enjoy? Um, you know, I try to do it as much as I can. It's, it's tough. I mean, it seems like my kids are now at the age where you get done with practice and then you drive around for an hour and a half and then you get home and it's, you know, they're getting a little older to the point where uh, when they were younger it was more just get home and enjoy it more and now it's, I usually leave here and have a half hour to get to some dance class and then, you know, another, my wife's been already running around for the previous three hours, so it's my turn to take some of that on and and I think there's a little bit less get to enjoy them just sitting at home type thing or playing at home type thing because they're involved in so much stuff. So um, it's changed a little bit in that regard. What is it like to, because I'm just getting into this process Mm -hmm. of my daughter starting uh, dance class, but what's it like to see them enjoy things that they enjoy doing? Oh, it's it's the best. I mean, that's that's why we do it. That's why we get in her. You know, my wife gets in her car and drives for three hours, and then I take over for a couple because, um, 
and you know things were obviously a little more organized than we were growing up so um, we played but just wasn't structured you know and now it's it's kind of like different sports teams and different travel teams and you know and, and I think it's not uncommon to have a kid doing dance soccer and softball all at the same time yeah. now whereas before it was kind of just you'd, you'd do that one season but it's great and we always ask them if you don't want to you know if you're enjoying it then you want to do it then do it and if if it's if it ever becomes where you're not having fun anymore then let's give something up but yeah. you know we'll do it if you're enjoying it so um do you ever have to is it ever difficult to to wear those different hats of being a being a head coach here and, and being in charge of so many things and then you know going to watch them and seeing them get coached or, or taught by other people um a little bit you know I, I i've seen that a little bit in the past with Braden. not i mean the girls not so much it's um you know i don't i it's kind of he he did football for a couple of years and so I noticed it a little bit more then but honestly when he was doing soccer and some other things I don't know any better either so I don't <laughs> I don't say much I'm not I'm not a I'm not a big cheer guy at their games I usually sit there and you probably could tell I'm not there most of the time so uh-huh. um, I, I take it I take the back of you know I realize uh, big picture that probably eighth grade isn't that big a deal or even six year olds isn't that big a deal and that it's it's not going to be a you know, a, a make or break thing for their high school career, and so most of the time I don't say a whole lot at those things. I just kind of sit back and watch, which yeah. is great. I like that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, last summer it was um, at my daughter's three-year-old soccer games. There's parents that you can tell are just taking it way too seriously and like yeah. yelling at the kid or yelling at the kids, and it's like, what are we, what are we doing yeah. here? But I'm, I'm sure as a head coach now, you kind of, like you said, you kind of sit back and watch those parents. Yeah, and I, I just happened to, I don't even remember. Um, you know, or I think it was like eight-year-old softball and some stuff like that, and I'm just like, come on! I mean, first of all, most of them can't throw a strike, yeah. and so it's like if somebody makes any contact at all, let them run. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, yeah. uh, and it's just kind of that perspective, and and um, but no, most of the time I just enjoy sitting over in the side and not saying much and yeah. just just watching. So it's kind of nice. You being so involved in, in football, obviously. Is your wife like my wife, where she doesn't want to talk about sports when we're together by ourselves? We don't do it much. Yeah. Very, very rarely. Matter of fact, I mean, especially maybe we'll talk a little football, but I definitely don't talk a lot about, because, you know, 30% of it is actually coaching X's and O's on the field. It's it's dealing with different personalities and different problems in the house and different, you know, that's the majority of what it is. So I definitely don't talk much about that stuff. Um we might talk about a game coming up, but honestly, it's if we get ten minutes together, it's usually talking about our kids, talking about what their schedules are, making sure that I don't pick up from the wrong place when it's my turn to pick up because that's happened before. Um, you know that that's kind of where we. She probably doesn't know much about the day to day life here. No. Yeah, and and with that being said, you know you talked about the thirty percent. Um, how much of that percentage has changed for you in the last year? Um, there's definitely been some more in terms of meetings and and um, you know if you wanted to as a coach you could probably and it would be a, a a great thing to do you could probably spend your entire day going to see different kids about different things and I think it's great you just can't but I mean you could literally fill your day with grabbing these three kids out of study hall and checking on these different things and what they've got going on in their lives and you know texting these guys that are out and injured and asking how they're doing and you could you could fill a whole day with it and um I, I try to do that. I, I should do it more, but you just, there's so many hours. And so that part, you know, we used to split up a little bit and 
the nice thing about having Ken here is we were both in the building. We could go both do some of that. And if I had a kid in class, you know, we could share that that a little bit. And so that has been a, probably the biggest difference for me. Um, the on the field stuff, it's it's similar, you know. So um, it's kind of those extra meetings that you throw in there, and and that's changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I promise only one Ken question, and it'll be this one. <laughs> um, but what do you miss most about him this year? I mean, honestly our friendship you know i mean we don't see each other i mean we i saw him i mean good or bad thing i saw him more than my family for 20 years and so we went on lots of long car trips together to different clinics and different colleges and and you know i see him but not i mean the daily basis you know we were aside from the professional part of it we just spent a lot of time together for a long long time and so you know that that part was fun and and not necessarily doing football stuff you know we just we hung out for a long time you know so that's changed a lot and I mean it's 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 got obviously the stuff he's doing for FCA and grandkids and football and um, you know um, all the stuff he's got going on but that's probably the biggest difference is we just always sat in the same room for years and years and years so that's the biggest difference Uh, obviously you spend a lot of time with the coaching staff and that I'm sure that hasn't changed but um, in terms of your role in this coaching staff, there's not, there's still a lot of the same faces. So how does that dynamic change with you or those relationships? Does anything change there? Um, maybe I've noticed it a little bit in just in terms of, of uh, decisions within games. You know, not necessarily offense or defense, but, um, you know, when to punt, not to punt, and, and different things, or you know what to do with some special teams that maybe I didn't have a conversation with in the past, and um, nothing been terribly different. Luckily, you know the core of the, the varsity guys is we've been together so long; it's it hasn't um, it ha- I haven't noticed it a whole lot yet with with some things, and there's been a minor things that we'll talk about. We'll have conversations about things we didn't used to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's not bad. It's just. We talked, but we, you know, I never used to have to talk to anybody about what to do on kickoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that part's changed. Um, but nothing terribly different. I mean, I'm similar if, to Ken in the fact that if you assign somebody to be your kickoff coach, as long as they're doing okay, you know, that's it. I yeah. mean, they're, you know, they're the kickoff coach. And so if you assign somebody to be your, your, um, your, you know, whatever special team coach, you, that's his job. And, and obviously, if you need to help them because they don't, understand some things we'll meet about it but other than that it's their thing so take care of it so sort of same question but with the kids like you said you've been with this group for so long you've obviously seen these kids grown up with them you've always like you said you've been here every single day so i don't feel like it's a situation where they get thrown into a different relationship but it is a different relationship it's a different dynamic slightly a little bit um you know i honestly it was probably the biggest difference is i used to just have more of a relationship with offense guys and if they were mainly a defensive player there wasn't really any um dealing with and now I try to do better with that obviously um and and there's some different roles but I I mean I was never I don't know I was never the coach that probably had to change the boundary system you know I mean some coaches are a little bit more like that and I never was probably um you know, some I could see some coaches saying, "Well, I used to be really good friends with my position group, and now we've got to change that a little bit." But I didn't really have, you know, I I, I hope that I'm there for them and stuff, but it really didn't have to change the behavior, the way we interacted, I yeah. guess. Um, so, you know, I 
I didn't see a, a huge change in that. Obviously, um, some of the ways we do practice and some of the things might be a little different. Um, but in terms of the day-to-day stuff, I haven't noticed a, a, a big, big change with that, to be honest with you. What is the thing that you love the most about high school football offenses? <laughs> um, I think not being afraid to try things. I mean, because there's, there's, you know, you start making all when you start putting a ton of money on the line and betting and everything. I think that's where, um, that's where there's a lot more pressure, and when there's more pressure, you're less likely to change things. You know, people aren't going to second guess you if you have a, a third and one and you run a dive, yeah. right? Because it's, you know, that, the line's got to get better, right? But the play call, they don't care. But if you've, you're in high school and um, it's third and one and you run a play action deep post, you know, some parents are going to get mad, but it's not kind of coverage. You're gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think, um, or you run some sort of, you know, fake dive reverse and things like that. And I think high school is... Um, has always been the innovators because of that. And I think a lot of it's due to the, the money and the pressure and the, um, and I honestly, your kids change so much year to year. Whereas if you're at a college for several years, you're recruiting the kind of kids that fit your package. And, and here you never know what it's going to be the next year. You don't know if you're going to have three tight ends and no receivers. You don't know if you're going to have a, a quarterback that can run like crazy, but can't throw a lick. And so you're always kind of changing what you do to fit your personnel. And um, you don't have that nearly as much, especially in the NFL. Is that so. kind of freshness and, and sort of also ingenuity, is that what's exciting for you about, you know, putting together those game plans and getting to call those games? Oh, absolutely. And I think every year it's, you know, what gets you excited for the next one? It's, well, who do we have back? What type of people are they? What type of personnel do you have? Who in college has similar personnel? Let's go see them, you know, and, and let's go talk to them in spring ball and see what they're doing and, and we do a lot of that, you know. We, um, if we have a contact somewhere that's got a similar um, group, or we really like what they're doing, and and um, you know, just thinking about, I was talking, uh, um, I mean, just talking Army of all places, talking about maybe getting out to Army because a uh, um, coach that I've known for a long time is is starting to actually make Army be some shotgun stuff and. Yeah. And uh, he was talk- texting me yesterday on, on Messenger and saying how they were uh, 10 for 10 on fourth down and less than four or something like that, and he's got a good package out of it. And so stuff like that, it's, it's neat to, well, maybe we should get out to Army. Not, not to mention it's beautiful, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's got to be fun, too, is, is that building that relationship and those network connections with coaches. You know, if you're, you're the head coach at SHG, you obviously have a lot of reach, but um, to have those connections and just be able to pick people's brains about certain things has to be super exciting and fun every year. And there are certain guys that, you know, there are certain guys on the recruiting trail that you've known, and a lot of them uh, you knew because they were high school guys. You know, George Barnett's a guy um, that's just a really great human being. He's in Iowa now, but he, he's Illinois State and, and, uh, and um, Miami, Ohio, and he's bounced around. But he started, um, the first time I knew him was when he was a high school coach at Mattoon. And then went to U of I as a grad assistant, and, and he's been always one of the best guys to ever come through here. And he stops and talks, and and there's so many guys like that. That Yuremovich at Butler, um, and some of those guys that there's everybody kind of hits here, you know, and comes through. But there's some guys that like sit and talk, and and just and you start to get relationships with, and those are the guys that you hope they're doing something good because you know you've got a pretty good relationship and can get in there. So, you know, some of the guys over the years are just 
really good people and you trust them and and um and you know that they always are willing to help so i like to I like to visit those guys as much as possible does your teaching profession or anything that you do in the teaching world go into coaching in terms of building an offense or, or doing anything like that or do you see any correlation there um i think teaching is definitely you know if you um how to explain something how to get people to understand what you're doing and and um and having a feel if you're doing too much i think you know all those things kind of kind of go into it um there's a lot of parallels in physics and i probably bring it up sometimes and kids are like whatever but um how many of them understand that yeah (laughs) there's about five (laughs) i'm trying to remember how many i got in class um five or six of the seniors at least because that's i teach the seniors physics so um but uh you know there's there's if you can teach somebody, get them to understand something, or if you um, have a way to make things more interesting when you're going through it, that sort of thing. I mean, those are all parallels to teaching of, of any sort of subject. But um, I think the teaching is a big, important part of coaching. You know, I think uh, being in the building and knowing, I, I, I just think, I, I wish we had more. I mean, we're a smaller teaching staff. You know, if I had one thing that I wish we could get, I wish we could get five more coaches that are teachers because I think it really the relationships with not just football players but to know what other people in the building are doing and to have those relationships and understand their class schedules and understand their assemblies and everything they have going on in their lives I just I think I wish we could get more of that yeah that's something that probably not a lot of people think about uh, in terms of just those relationships with teenage kids but at the same time uh, when it comes to teaching and coaching teenage kids they have to trust you, and if they don't, and, and if they and that trust can come with just being around them or you know understanding them. But um, yeah, what do you see as, as building that sort of trust, um, and how do you do that with the other coaches who maybe aren't here as much? Um, well, I think one of the things that we've done for for a while, and, and we need to probably and make sure we're doing it more often, is is we kind of started a, several years ago. It was part of a big program. It kind of came with. The father-son jersey night, the letters to moms, and another thing was a mentoring program. But um, having a group of kids that you kind of oversee, and it, and you just kind of, it, and it, we kind of break it up a little bit by position. But um, sometimes it's just numerically. Coach Leonard would just kind of chop it up and say, "These five go with this person. These five go with this person." And um, but just to make sure you're having a conversation with each kid on the team weekly, not about football, and. Um, you know, ask them how their grades are, ask them if they're going to homecoming, who they're going with, and if their, you know, parents are doing all right, and, you know, they got a sister in college, how's she adjusting? Just try to make the conversation about anything but football. And, and you can find out a lot um, just by pulling a kid and just saying, hey, how's it going? And just one-on-one, not in front of anybody else. And, yeah. and just trying to do that as much as possible. And I think that's important, especially for people that aren't in the building, um, is having one-on-one conversations and, and um, talking to anything but football. So I think that helps. When you build those relationships with these kids and um, go through what you guys do during a football season and you know even in the off offseason, um, what is that relationship like for you when you have so many guys that you know go on to the next level and play or you know all these young men go on to be men? Um, what is that relationship like for you and how special is that for a football coach and a, and a football player? I mean, some of the people I talk to, I mean, it's my immediate family and the kids and the current coaches and then, honestly, former players. I mean, just this week, um, I was texting with Billy Fleishley a little bit ago and 
um, today, and uh, it was his birthday, and Matt Brent Eisen, and um, and uh, Tim Donovanville and I probably once or every other week or so, and and so you go back twenty years of that, and and it's 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 constant text messages, and so those are the people that I honestly keep in contact with, other than who I currently work with, and so and probably one of the reasons I'm still here is 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 um, the the massive amount of old guys that I just I really enjoy a relationship and small text messages and seeing them around and and um, and just uh, probably the best relationships that that I've had with any some of our former players or some of the my closest friends honestly other than my immediate group that are here coaching so what is your philosophy on you know why young men should play football maybe high school football in general but also at SHG and if there's a difference there um well, I think, you know, it, it's any team sport, I think, is, is fantastic. And if, if you're not doing football, I think you, there's other sports you can get that out of. I mean, um, football in general, obviously, you know, there, there's all those sayings that it doesn't build character, it reveals it. But, I mean, you can still hope to, to, to change some some of that along the way and in, in, in the way you, you know, interact with people and and um, I think the biggest thing is team sports in general, and especially football because there's more people that it involves. You know, you get basketball. I mean, it's a team sport, but it's it's such a smaller group. And, um, you know, football, I think, in terms of teaching, um, accepting diversity and accepting people of different – well, you have 100 kids out there. There's going to be all kinds of different people. And um, and I think that's an important part of it. And and it's it's hard. And I think the, the – especially kind of nowadays where there's so many things that aren't nearly as hard as it seems like this they used to be is having kids do things that are difficult is is very important and um and especially a program like this um where it's it is a commitment you know if we're if you're in another sport we absolutely encourage you to play any other sport that you want to but if you're not you're committed and it, and it could be 11 out of 12 months probably when you add it all up and and um and I think that in the end, that's a that's somebody who's gone through that and to see the growth and to see how much when you put hard work in that there is that that um, that reward for it. It it's a great lesson in life about there's no easy way around it. The hard work is gonna is gonna get the victories and and um, and that it teaches them in the end that they need to they need to put work in in life if they want to achieve something good. And so. You know, I hope we do that here. Um, you know, I think that it's a special place to be. Like I said, I said the uh, the old guys that that have gone through the program, and and um, you see that in other places, obviously, that have the tradition. And um, but here specifically, obviously, the coaching staff is going to put in a whole lot of work to try to do our best and make it be successful. And and I hope that we also uh, put in a lot of work to make it more than about football. And I think that's one of the reasons that you know. If, if you come through here and, and uh, somebody's got a problem, I, I, I think that we're going to try to track it down and try to get to the bottom of it and help them out if we can. If there's a – I'm sure there's an example, but I'm not asking you to name a certain name, but just kind of talk about if there's a kid that makes it through four years in this program that maybe isn't the all-star quarterback mm-hmm. or doesn't get all the headlines, but you see him not only grow as a person but, you know, as a young man, mm-hmm. um, and then – you know, takes those life lessons and puts them into when they grow up in terms of, you know, yep. 
having to, like you said, go through those struggles and then seeing that struggles in the real world and saying, you know, I made it through SHG football. I can, I can handle this. I agree. And I think, you know, we've had kids that have gone to the military and have told me that. We've had kids that, um, you know, some of those kids, it, you could also say not a star, but to me, it's, it's the mentality of an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. right? Because even if you're a starter as an offensive lineman, I mean, until you guys came around, you were never talked about, right? <laughs> At least you guys do some specials try, and, yeah. and things like that. But, um, you know, I kind of – those guys that, that do the work. In the NFL, you might know a few of the big names, but you don't know most of them. You know everybody that's, you know, a star and quarterback and wide receiver. And, and I think that kind of falls under that same mentality of, of an offensive lineman is do your job, go to work every day, knowing that nobody will probably know about you unless you screw up. And, um, Center, prime example. Exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Nobody notices the 99 in a row that they're perfect, right? It's, it's uh, maybe maybe <laughs> 90 out of 100 some days this week. But, um, um, but yeah, it's that same mentality. Same kid that comes to work and does scout team every single day knowing that, you know, I might not get on the field unless it's a running clock or I might not get in unless in this situation. And, and those, those kids you admire a lot, the guys that just bounce out and, and scout team every day. And there's no question that in in life those kids are going to be great, and and those are the kids honestly that you you want to try to maintain relationships more with because you know a lot of those guys that are the stars have plenty of people checking in on them, right? It's some of the guys that aren't that that you need to work harder to maintain and say, hey, how are you doing? Because there might not be as many people, right? And so um, there's so many of those that you can name that are so successful now that they kind of came through here that great you know military careers and great. Um, doctors and different things that I've taught that are just doing really well, and you hope that that they look back on it and say, "Man, that's that's really what pushed me to get through this in my life." And so I hope that's the case. I learned quickly doing this job and being around football all fall for how many seasons mm-hmm. I've done this that offensive linemen are not only the funniest but probably the smartest on the team as well in There's terms of just what they can do and what they bring to the table. Exactly, it, d- definitely great personalities. They just. Um, they can they can usually, you know, some of what they do because everybody's like, gosh, there's a lot of monotony to practice, you know, alignment steps and different things, and and so I think you get the best personalities because they're able to make make any small thing fun, right? And so um, I think they're a great group. I think they're like you said, they're selfless. Um, you know, you never have like, man, you, you know, you, you might hear a guy, why didn't I get thrown the ball more? Well. Nobody in the line ever, you know, has a choice to get the ball. So it's like, you know, it's it's a, um, they're just a great group to be around. They're selfless. They they work hard usually, and and um, and like you said, they're probably the funniest. Yeah, um, like the one ten question Tuesday. We did, I can't remember what was the kid's name that pulled up his shirt and did the ham thing. Oh man, that was so fun. I can't remember his name now, and I feel bad because it was hilarious. What but, year was that? Um, it was before. It was before Nick. It was after, like, Fisher and those guys. I don't remember. I'll have to to look it up and and bring it back out because it was so funny. All right, anyway, let's get into uh, a little bit about this team and this season before we end. Um, Mm -hmm. Looking back at it now, what do you you tell yourself about week one? I mean, it was a miserable week. (laughs) I mean, first of all, I mean, regardless of coaching, I mean, it was 109 degrees every day. And, um, gosh, the whole whole game day – our air conditioning, we were similar. Derek had the same issue, I know. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it. We were both not real happy. Our air conditioner didn't work. 
so much that the windows don't go down on those buses that we use because the, the school, at least the yellow school bus, you can lower those windows, but the ones that we take, um, we had the two front windows open just where the, the driver sits. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're just sitting there just drenched yeah. on the way there. And I mean, it's like, it's awful outside. We get there, um, we're under heat delay. Um, we start the game and aren't horrible. You know, I mean, I think we get it to like 7-7 seven, seven at one point. They go up 14-7. Um, then I think it's, is that when the 45-minute lightning delay happened? Yeah. And then, um, I mean, just a lot for a young team. And we were trying to do a little bit too much. Um, and um, and it steamrolled. I mean, once we once we got past the lightning delay, started again, then had halftime. I mean, it was midnight, but... But they were a great team. But we we were trying to do too much. Defense did pretty pretty well to keep us in it, and you can't throw two pick sixes and, and come out of any game really. Everything that could go, like you said, yeah. can't throw two interceptions or pick sixes. But everything that could go wrong did go wrong. You know, defense played pretty well. I guess you know for the first time, a lot of those guys starting and and you know really the two pick sixes you were done, and we couldn't move the ball consistently. I know we had, um, I know that. That Bardwell had a big play in the second half, but but we couldn't consistently move the ball, and, and we realized offensively we were trying to do too much. Um, we had spent a lot of time, you know, formations and motions and some shifts and things, and and just uh, and it was a little too much. But other than that, I mean, we we cut back a lot, both offensively and defense, defensively, after that first game, and tried to go back to the basics, and and I think. Um, We've seen quite a bit of improvement since then. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, but but mentally, when you get home that Friday night, I mean, what goes through your head as you say, all right, this is... This I mean, is it like, was... I don't think I slept that one. Because yeah. I think we got home at 1, and we were coming in for film, and I knew I had to get all the film in. I, at least not much. I mean, it was very little sleep, and it was a lot of coaching staffs, you know, how do we go forward? And we've had a couple of those here in the past, you know, where... We thought some years that we were going to be really good and found out week one that we, we weren't as good as we thought we were. And, and that kind of makes us readjust and reevaluate in some long, like, where are we at? What do we have going forward? And, and how can we best fix this? And um, we did a lot of that that first weekend and um, tried to come back and say, you know, we're going simple. We want you to be able to play fast. Um, we were doing some stuff that we thought was really good. Um, we were doing some muddle huddle stuff like that, that I thought was really good because you know we're more two way guys than we've probably been in a long time, yeah. and that's kind of your way to rest. But um, when you break the muddle huddle, you have to be fast to the line in a playoff in two seconds. So it gives you that kind of um, surprise in the in the formations and stuff that you get out of no huddle, yeah. but you get a little bit of rest. Well, we found out with our young kids that turning and sprinting to the line isn't fast enough for them to ID, ID the front. And it isn't fast enough for them to ID what they're supposed to do. They were thinking too much. So then when you pause that, well, there's really no point in doing it. So those things like that that we said, you know, this isn't working. Um, and as much as I think it's good if you do it right, it's just if you keep trying to force it and it's not working, and hey, we gotta, we got to take it out. And so stuff like that that we changed. Um, and, and I think our kids are a lot more comfortable not doing it now because they can see the guys before the snap and – and um, and they play a little bit faster and smarter now since we got rid of it. So, also for you as you know the offensive coordinator <coughs> and head coach, but coming into the year, I mean the the conversation was about all the new faces, mm -hmm. and then you you talk about relying on guys like Burke and Ethan yeah. who are, had that experience and 
boom, now yeah. they're, they're gone. We, we <laughs> thought we had uh, two to three starters back on offense, and Ethan gone week one and Burke gone week three, and it's just, man. Um, and it was, you know, that was big. And it and that that line still is, is kind of a work in progress because of the amount that we've had to change. I'm sorry, Bob. And so, uh, you know, that that's kind of always, that's, uh, I can wait, I don't know if you want to. No, that's fine. And then, uh, and so, uh, it's still kind of a work in progress. You know, we, we'd kind of made some small changes. Karstens was the next most experienced guy, so he goes to center, and that works pretty well. Well, midweek of Chatham, um, we found out he's got a real hurt hand and can't really snap with it. And so, we go to, you know, um, center three, center four, and just can't get the consistency. We actually find out that we're more consistent with Carson snapping with his left hand, um, just because of the fact that it it isn't quite as fast back there. So when there's problems, at least it lands kind of in front of the quarterback yeah. versus ten yards behind him. And so um, we had to kind of go with that that week. And now we've gotten Grant more comfortable, and we've 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 gotten those a little bit better and some more depth. But yeah, for a while it was just rotations. It was. You know, Carson's here and, and and Hallam and then Albrecht at one and just kind of the middle three rotating to see what we can get a good fit together. And and so Burke going down really did hurt. Um, and that's that's kind of been – I'm hoping we saw a lot of improvement the last couple of weeks in terms of depth and being able to rotate some guys. So. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you think mm-hmm. that that will pay off, you know, in the next month. But – you know, yeah. <laughs> stress wise, that, that had to be rough. It was, it was a, yeah, it was, it was a tough week. You know, and going into Chatham and and um, and there was, you know, we had some snap issues. There's no question. Um, but um, at least Karstens, with being this the, the senior that he is, and, and didn't really question the blocking as long as we can get those snaps back. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was. It's been a tough, tough road with those guys, and they've done a good job adjusting. I think because um, a lot of them very, very little reps before this year. And so I think they've gotten a lot better. I know it was minutes after they win a very emotional rivalry game, um, but the conversation I had with Christian after the Glenwood game uh, kind of, you know, stuck out to me just because of, you know, how how much he felt like special for being the guy, like getting to step mm-hmm. up and be the guy. And you could tell that he was like not necessarily emotional, but you know, there was a reaction there where, um, I mean, I'm glad I asked that question because. Mm-hmm. He's a kid that really stepped up and, and has been. If you wouldn't have known, you would have thought that he was the guy coming into the season. It's crazy. Um, you know, obviously, Hagley was the guy. I know he's the, he's the one that had by far the most reps. Um, and uh, losing him week one, um, you know, we started kind of rotating several of those guys, and I didn't. I don't even know if Christian himself knew what kind of year he was about to have. And and there's been a couple huge plays out of him, and and. Um, I mean, talk about somebody with the confidence of, of hitting a hole and just getting vertical. And, and you know, there's a lot of guys that can run. I mean, he's fast, and we've got other guys that are fast. But his vision and, and the spark that he's produced is is, is fantastic. It's, it's been so much fun to watch because, no, he's been a great surprise. I mean, it was it was one of those that um, I didn't you didn't know what you had, and, and he's just he's he's kind of found that and, and ridden it. And I, like you said, he's very appreciative. He's 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 probably the first one to tell you, man. This this year's been awesome. I didn't expect it, and and he's so happy about it. Getting to see the schedule and the way it's played out for you, um, Glenwood in week six to see really where you're at in terms of playing another really good team, and then to end your season with going to Decatur, yeah. where uh, I was just looking through the archives today, and that one came up of when the Brummets 
Got yeah. you guys over there. I remember that one. And uh, I'll turn the ball. <laughs> and then to get Rochester in Week Nine, um, how well do you feel like that's kind of set up for you to, to go into the postseason now? Um, yeah, that's what we've talked about it. We said our own destiny, right? You know, are these next two weeks are. Um, can be the difference between, you know, we'll get in now, but it's definitely the difference between a really tough on-the-road first game and being at home the first game against somebody that you hopefully can can, can get a victory against. So, um, yeah, you, you, you've done a good job up to this point, but really, I mean, you, you either can um, – these next two are probably the most important just because of that fact. You know, I mean, you we're in the playoffs, which is one of our goals, but obviously – to go far in the playoffs, these next two games are imperative. Six and three is a lot different yeah, than exactly. eight, eight and one. I mean. Exactly. And we've been stressing that this week. And, you know, I mean, um, we saw it against, obviously, Glenwood. I mean, those you, you've got there's, – there's five, six really talented kids on MacArthur. And so um, we've definitely got our hands full going over there. And just to wrap that up, uh, to say that this could be the trap game with <laughs> – Rochester coming to town in week nine and what you guys have done to Rochester the last few years and just the history there. Um, but I, I feel like, like you said, those kids understand how good MacArthur can be and is and has the potential to, to really give you guys all you can handle. And honestly, I mean, there's diff- this is a different year. I mean, I, I felt there's been about five trap games this year. So <laughs> going in, there's been a lot of games that I have just kind of been uneasy about. I remember week three, I was really, really nervous about going over to Jacksonville. Yeah. You know, that's a trap game for me big time. And, and U-High and, and um, Springfield and Chatham. So, yeah, there's there's not been a game this year I've, I've really felt um, I wasn't a little bit un- nervous about. You know, there's been some years that – that you, you feel a lot better, and, and this 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 year is a little different. So I think um, they're starting to play with more confidence. But until you really, um, you know, come out and show that every week that we're going to come to play, no matter who the opponent is, and you see that out of your kids, I think you're always going to be a little nervous, no matter who you're playing. So awesome! Thanks for your time. I appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Huge thank you to Coach Allison for his time and great conversation. That was a lot of fun. Hope to do that again. Also, we have a bonus clip this week. I've decided to include the entire interview I did with Steve Beaker, the Rochester defensive coordinator, about their defense since I didn't have time to include it all in the feature piece that's on the premium side. So here's that interview with Steve Beaker. Seven weeks in, and you've already broken the record for interceptions this year. Let's start there. What Did you see that coming, first of all? I uh, did not see it coming. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really know we were even close to a record until our, our stack our defensive stat guy, Mike Shamus, he, he emailed me and it was uh, he had it listed as 18 and that we were tied for the record. So I didn't really know about it up until this week. Um, we did have a good summer seven on sevens though, a lot of interceptions during the summer. So we knew we knew we were aggressive and uh, we knew some good things were gonna happen during the season, but never really thought of record breaking or anything like that. But when it comes to chicken or the egg here, what what works? How do you get interceptions on defense? Is it a good front? Is it a combination? How does that work? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I you know I don't think our D line gets enough credit because um, like one of Henry's interceptions in, at Lincoln, I was bragging on uh, um, Lance in the team room. I said, Lance, you're the reason why that was a pick. He got right in the, the guy's face. He got a six six guy with his arms up, and it's like you know our our scout quarterbacks and even our coaches, you know, like they can't we can't see over him. Um, so we know that happens in a game. That's, I mean, that's a tree there. Um, you know, with our pressures, our different packages, and uh, and then just the kids just being aggressive ball hawks, uh, both at backer, you know, with Tyson and Peel. I've been telling people, like, 
we have kids that are like they're they're naturally trained at catching like tyson's a shortstop parker lyons is a catcher like these guys do this for a living and so it's not your typical linebackers that you normally have that don't have hands these kids have hands and um that's kind of the benefit of multi-sport kids and um, so that's been a big factor i think as well it almost seems like you can see these guys start to drool when a quarterback drops back knowing okay this is our chance like what is that like having these guys just their eyes really just do light up almost yeah um i've been trying to get that mentality across and um you know always every year it's just this one's a little bit different because usually these kids hear hear me for three years you know sophomore through senior year basically and about me always telling them to be aggressive and I'll, i'll take aggressive mistakes and um, just to attack the ball when the ball's in the air, it's ours, and have that mentality. Well, this group, the seniors, you know, they've they've been hearing it for six years instead of for three. So, um, just having me and JFL and all that. So, I think they are really comfortable. They're playing super fast. Um, they really know what they're doing, and um, so all those things factor in for sure. When you look at this group, and like you said, you've had them for so long, and you've seen them grow up. Um, what makes them successful? Why are they as good as they are right now? Um, you know, I think it's, one, their leadership. I think Henry Parker-Lyons, even Tyson, Carter up front. Um, I think we got great leadership within this senior group. Um, I, th- I, I think just their confidence, their, their confidence in the system and the scheme, um, I think that, that really benefits them. Um, it's kind of hard to really pinpoint it, but they are a confident group, and they're um, extremely hungry. Um, and so when we get in those third down situations, it's third and long, and um, they do a great job of, of the film tendency, film prep, uh, of understanding these are the things that we're looking for out of certain formations. You know, you might get one or two things, and um, the faster you read it and break on it, you know, um, and you can go make, go make your play. And like I, I tell them every week, like, you all get a few different nuggets, and I, I've used that term in the past, but the kids know it. and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your opportunity. You're going to have one or two things, and if, if you see this, then here's your opportunity to make a play, and it's just up to you to do that. And Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. They mentioned that too, talking about the preparation and how well prepared they feel like they are going into every game because of you guys and you know the game plans. But what is the relationship like with in-game adjustments with not only you and JC, but these guys who are very smart and maybe see things that you don't? How, how is that kind of relationship how have yeah. you seen that this year? Yeah, it's nice. You know, they can come over and tell me, hey, coach, they're running this instead. You know, hey, this is what we prepped in film. Um, but they're actually, they've, they've, they've changed it and they're doing this little combo instead. Or um, this guy's pulling, this route has changed, you know, things like that. And so they're able to make adjustments, both telling me on the sidelines, but also on the fly in the game. Like there's there's been multiple times where they just make us look good. Like they they're they're reacting so fast and playing so free that they're sometimes they're cheating their jobs doing somebody else's job which i don't really like all the time but um there are instances when 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 they've been able to to see something or read a quarterback's eyes or whatever the case is and and they know that they're they're free to make those plays and make aggressive mistakes like like i tell them and um so they're comfortable with with me with coach clark that comfort level really opens them up to play free and not to play tight and you know our kids are basically not playing to you know you get in that mentality of don't don't make a mistake don't mess up don't mess up and there is nobody out there with that with that mentality they're all going you know i'm I'm ready to make my play and if i make a mistake i make a mistake and that's how we want them we want them playing loose and free and aggressive out there 
what is it like for this defense to be getting this much attention? And when it comes to Rochester, yeah. you're just, it's not normal. Uh, so what is it like for them, and how do you feel like they've earned that? Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, because our offense is still pretty dang good. Like, if you haven't noticed, like, they're still doing their thing, and they'll always do their thing. Coach Leonard does an awesome job. Um, it's just nice to, uh, you know, we hold our own on our, our side of the ball. And when we're rolling, not just defensively on special teams, um, we know we have a, a chance at making a deep run when all three sides are, are clicking. And um, this is definitely one of those units. So it feels good, but it just um, – there's, you know, at Rochester, you know how it is. We're, we have a big goal in mind, and so um, hopefully we can keep it up, you know, on our side. But uh, it's nice to know that they can count on us. And I, like, I think it, it, it might even help Brian Zuloff this year, you know, especially early, just to get comfortable. Like, hey, if you make a mistake, it's not like we got your back on defense, you know. And um, so I think that's kind of helped help that side of the ball in that perspective of, they can calm down and, and relax and know that, that, that we can hold our own and that we got their back. Not only is it your two biggest rivals, but it's also statistically so far, I mean, the two best teams in the conference next to you guys that you end your season with. How does that help you guys really just kind of gear up for hopefully playing seven more weeks? Yeah, and that's what we mentioned last week. Like, um, with Lincoln making, potentially, hopefully making playoffs, um, we're basically playoff teams from here on out. So the last three regular season games are playoff games, playoff-type teams, and then we get rolling into the into the playoffs, so um, great great for us for preparation. Um, you know the obvious rivalries with 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 uh, Glenwood and with SHG are going to be there, so our kids will get to you know get ready and um, kind of play in those bigger games and get themselves ready. And then um, those teams are both always well coached, so they're going to expose our weaknesses, and we're going to be able to figure some things out for the playoff stretch and kind of see what we need to work on going into that and where we need to improve. Um, hopefully hopefully come out with wins, but you can always learn from wins and losses regardless. So, um, so yeah, great test for us and excited for both of those to get us ready. Thanks again for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please share this podcast. I'll see you next week.